HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here today, um, Dee Dee Lauman and Neil Kleinberg of Clinton Street Banking Company. But first, a thank you to our sponsor, Hearst Ranch. It's the nation's largest single source supplier of free range, all natural, grass fed, and grass finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more info, hearseranch.com. That sounds good, man. I want some beef. Is that, we, we got some for you if you need it. And that's grass from 1865. That's pretty great grass. Old grass. Petrified grass. Yeah, yeah baby. That's nice. Um, so we already know we're going to have a good show because these two are a freaking riot. They're we're hoot, pumped. hoot and a holler. Um, <laughs> we're here. We're queer. Get used to it. <laughs> They are going to have their own show afterwards, too. Um, Dee Dee and Neil, I had the honor of working with on the Clint Street Baking Company cookbook. Yeah, baby. Thank yeah. you again for that. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Amazing but photos. We have, so many, we have so many people saying, man, those photos are crazy. Yeah, and I didn't know how to operate their iPhone taking p- photos of themselves in the studio <laughs> right now, but that's, that's, a, right. that's another story. We'll give story. you a lesson. <laughs> um, I was also a customer for a whole bunch of years. I think six years. You guys have been open for eight years in the Lower Side, right? Well, ten. almost ten. 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 Yeah. yeah. So I've yeah, been. Two thousand one, we started. Ever since I moved back to Brooklyn, I've been an avid customer and eater of your pancakes, and I think the whole menu itself ten times over. Thanks. Wow! Um, thank you. Thanks. We appreciate it. So when I got the call, the email, whatever mode of communication it was, to work on this cookbook with you, uh, I didn't have to think twice. I mean. It, I was in. Except when it came part to saying how much money is this in, in, in it for me. <laughs> I was Not even true. Yeah. I said yes no even, matter what. I don't even yeah. know what I got paid. You <laughs> I guys, do. Yeah. 
<laughs> I negotiated that deal. You guys, you guys paid me enough in pancakes that it will last a, uh, last a lifetime. But this isn't just about the cookbook and about Clinton Street. This is about you two. And, you know, the book itself has obviously amazing recipes and food, but it's also a love story. And uh, it, it's about how you met and how you both... Uh, you know, came to love butter. Um, mm-hmm. What I love is when Neil and Didi signed the cookbooks. It says what for oh. love and butter. With yeah, love with and butter. love and with butter. Love and butter. Yeah. And yeah. it's so true. Yeah, it's true. We owe a little of that to our um, designer, Daisuke Sumatsu, Sumatsu, who originally many years ago did our first postcard for us, and he came up with a very cool concept with the biscuit. And he had heard Neil talking about how he makes it with love and butter, and he made a pie quadrant and he you know quadranted it out yeah. making up the words and it, it was love you know like 12 percent 82 percent butter um, and 82 percent butter uh one percent something else and the rest love, love. yeah cool. has, has that has that ratio changed over the years uh ask yeah Neil. <laughs> it's uh, a little less love and a little more butter <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought those were one and the same. But I also want to talk a little bit about your prior lives. Um, Dee Dee came from the world of editorial publications, magazines, magazines. specifically. And then book publishing, yeah. 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 W- what magazine did you work for? Well, I was an editor at Seventeen Magazine, starting when I was 21 years old. Oh, <laughs> here we go, Michael. I, well, it's not that much again. of a yawn, because I, I, um, I edited first, and then I wrote the advice column. For on relationships. Was it good advice? Dear oh, yeah. Editor, um, I read... My contraceptive Contraceptive, um, it was for kids. aren't working. <laughs> no, it was more like this. No, 18-year-olds, it was like 13-year-olds, and it was like, Dear Editor, my boyfriend doesn't know how to kiss me. It's very sloppy and gross. What are 13-year-olds reading 17 for? Well, it's aspirational. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you you guys sure it's not reverse aspirational, anything. like 40-year-old guys reading 17? No, yeah. it's definitely not. So yeah, I started there and it was really fun. And I we had like six million readers or something, or I yeah. don't know, it was a crazy circulation. Yeah, I got a lot of letters. Dear Didi, dear Didi, it was. Was fun. that your actual column name? No, it was just called Relating. Yeah, and uh, it was great. Neil, did you ever read it? Um, I was going to say something really bad, but <laughs> I'm going to hold by. I never read Seventeen. Anytime there was like a hot picture of a babe on on the cover, I would flip through and try to find like the nude pictures but there were never any so I never read or, or kid, legal for that matter yeah. I mean my 20s you know yeah. Yeah. 17 magazine it's like 17, 18, 19 year old but we have like Michael we have like 13 years between us yeah. so like when I was in college he was I mean when I was when he was in college I was <laughs> let's do the bath I yeah. don't know how um, old when I was in college Didi was like 13 yeah all right. So Which just starting to read anyway. 17. Yeah. But meanwhile, it's a good segue because I did also edit the food and snacks section. Yeah. Which was fun. And I was just telling, uh, we were on Mike Colomico's show yeah. this morning, and I was telling him that I used to travel around the country to do these photo shoots, these lifestyle photo shoots. I'd go to like Des Moines and go to a high school yeah. and pick out cools, and we'd photograph them in their real style, and then I would interview them. And then would, well, this didn't really happen in Iowa, but say Nashville, I would say, hey, I'm, I'm the editor from Seventeen Magazine, <laughs> the food editor, and I heard this restaurant is the number one restaurant. Can we get a reservation tonight? Like, thinking it would never work, like, 17 Magazine, yeah. what are you writing about, Cheese Whiz? And they always said yes. So we would get bumped up to, like, really good tables and get great treatment. And that's kind of what I did traveling the country. I would just go to the best restaurants in the cities. And also when she was in, like, places like Iowa, she would search the thickest pork chop and try to, like, you know. Well, no, and- I did do that. Jane and Michael Stern wrote a cool article about um, all the places the caucus uh, people eat at. Yeah. So I went to this place, the um, Machine Shed. They had they had cherry pie that's like you know as thick as uh, 
uh, a book, you know, like a fat tome and a huge fat pork chops. And it was unbelievable. And they yeah. have this Vietnamese restaurant that's kind of famous there. Right in Des Moines, like in uh, near the Capitol. Is that is there a Capitol there? I'm yeah, totally yeah I think it is Des Moines. Yeah. 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 yeah, I had to flash back to third yeah, grade exactly. to figure right? out all those. I don't even think I learned that, <laughs> the but last I went. Kid you know, and yeah. I went to this little hole in the wall Vietnamese place in Des Moines, which is yeah. such a crazy juxtaposition, and had an amazing Vietnamese meal. Otherwise, it was depressing, and I stayed in some big <laughs> like double tree hotel and ate those bad yeah. chocolate chip cookies. I was about to say, can you tell that these two love road food? <laughs> like Jen and Michael Stern, yeah, it's like a bible, but these two take it to the nth agree um i think when we went to maine a couple years ago you told me i was an idiot if i didn't stop at reds and wiscasset right. right and now we stop every time and part of that horrible traffic jam that yeah, you know yeah, yeah. is yes. thusly created but you can't miss it like no. it's amazing clinton street is kind of like that for new york with the right. plethora and with the you know multitude of restaurants it's still one of those places where someone's like you have to go there you, you'd be an idiot not to if you were in new york that's um, sweet that's cool. Yeah. Some of our friends say they're, we're, they we're idiots for um, sending them on the weekends. <laughs> and I say, you're an idiot for coming on yeah. the weekends. I mean, Monday through Friday is the best yeah. secret. Or nighttime city. is the I best. I know. Even, even with working on your cookbook with you, I don't even dare touch weekends. And, yeah. Oh, you should. Yeah. You it, should text me. Yeah. But did, <laughs> I just said it on the air. Did you um, ever come at night? That's the best time for me. Oh, yeah. Or I like, think. That's, like six o'clock. That's book number two. Yeah. 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 Fish tacos. Nighttime. Killer. Yeah, but fried chicken. I also wanted to talk about Neil's background um, because... It's funny. It's like so akin to what my dad, uh, not aspired to, but the places he hit, the places he ate. Neil cooked at Lundy's. If you don't know Lundy's, <laughs> check it out. I mean, not anymore. Yeah, I wish. But, yeah. Yeah, I wish we could actually go back there and have a Well, we can go to Rondazzo's yeah, right now. we could have a dozen clams yeah. at the Raw Bar. Yeah. That was quintessential so and amazing. Tell us what Lundy's was when you were growing up. Where you grew up. What I Lundy's grew up was. on Avenue J and Kings Highway, and that was like Flatbushy, Midwood. And then um, Lundy's was on Ocean and Emmons, which is like on the forest east part in the south of Brooklyn. It's Sheepshead Bay where all the boats used to come in. You can go out for half-day fishing. Oh, they still and, do. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. And uh, on that corner, it was like a massive corner. It was like a building, a Empire State Building, uh, was Lundy's. And... There were families that went every Sunday religiously to Lundy's and stood behind tables that weren't quite finished with their meal. And like the kid would hold a seat <laughs> and that would be their table. Yeah. And your parents would send their kids around the whole dining room. It was like 1,100 seats. It was so crazy. 1,100? Yeah, it was uh. crazy. And when I worked at Lundy's, it was 800 seats. So it was like less than, you know, almost a third of it, you know, gone. But... It was a big treat for me when I was a kid, 12, 13, and my dad would say, let's go to Lundy's, and we'd have a shore dinner, and it was like the most amazing experience, the biscuits and the lobster and the chicken and the potatoes and the waiters and these big, these dark, um, big um, Jamaican black men serving you, and they were so elo eloquent, and they were so phenomenal, and you, you felt like, like a king going there. Yeah. And the food was just amazing, and how it came out of that place was like you know huge trays and oysters and. Fish Do you even know a, a thousand-person restaurant in New York? There are no, yeah. not anymore, except Tavern that went out, you know. Yeah, but um, that was my dream when I was like in cooking school. One day, maybe I'll 
be the chef of a place like Lundy's. And then when I was like 17, there was a shooting in Lundy's. It was a whole family <laughs> feud. Seriously, it was like 100 cop cars converged. It was like dog day afternoon. Yeah. One of the managers was holed up in Lundy's holding someone hostage and he wouldn't leave and the owners wanted to get him out and it was this whole family feud and it was closed after that, after the shooting. There was someone killed there. Um, 17 years it was closed. Whoa. And... I was, you know, a chef in New York for those years. At I got places a, like Water Club and... Yeah, the yeah. Water Club, Bridgewater's, the Plaza Hotel. Had my own restaurant on the Upper West Side. Worked in really great New York restaurants. And I got a call. Um, Lundy's is reopening. Would you like to interview for the chef mm-hmm. job? And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I did. And it was like a two and a half year project to work on it. And it was the only it. crazy one crazy enough to take the job. Yeah, yeah. I was like... It's I like sat first. I go sat, in, clean up the blood, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was crazy. It was a crazy undertaking, and I, I I built a great staff from all of my connections at Bridgewater's and the Water Club, and I had my sous chef and a pastry chef, and I hired this one guy, uh, Decombe from Africa, who was a baker for. Eli's up on the Upper East Side at the Vinegar Factory, yeah. and he was used to baking in volume of all of these pastries and stuff. And I said, "Come with me to Lundy's, and we'll make biscuits." And I, I had a a, a little uh, in the attic of some building in Staten Island. I was kind of doing all the menus and the research and the development for the biscuit recipes. And finally, when the kitchen was up, we started, you know, just practicing all these recipes and stuff and then we opened Lundy's and it was like unbelievable yeah when did you open and when did it again close we opened in 95 um I think it was October November 95 and then it closed in uh I don't know it went after I left after like two years it went on uh with Times Square. Uh, we went into Times Square <laughs> and it folded. But after I was the original opening chef of Lundy's, and after me, there were seven executive chefs oh, over geez. the next six months. Yeah. No one could last. Yeah. And how I lasted for two years, That's I'll never beast. know. It was crazy. Yeah. But it was also great. I got to go to the Fulton Fish Market twice a week with wads of cash in my pocket to buy like thousands and thousands of dollars worth of whole fish that we would bring back in trucks and break down swords and tunas and, and you know, cases upon salmon and crab meat and stone crab. And it was just amazing that I got to work with all of that volume. And I create this menu and try to reconstruct it from the 30s and 40s and put some twists on it. They had a bad concept there with pastas, family-style pastas and stuff like linguine and clam sauce and stuff like that, which didn't really work. And a wood-burning oven for pizza, which really didn't work either. But it Mm. was the fish. It was the the seafood, the fish, the fried fish, the the grilled stuff that was was beautiful. Now, from almost a 1,000-seat place... How many seats do you have in Clinton Street? Didi, go ahead. 32. Yeah, 32. Yeah, it's it's it, really it, 34, though, I think. It's 32 plus those two, two seats, seats in the window that no one ever wants to sit in. Except what? at brunch when yeah. they have to. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. When we started getting busy at Clinton Street and doing like 100 or 200 brunches on the weekends... I would tell the guys next to me as we were cooking, okay, we have a full board. All the tickets came in. 32 people were sat. I said, guys, it can't get any worse than this. <laughs> we cook 32 dinners, yeah. or 30, 32 brunches, and then we'll replenish our mise en place, 
and then we'll do another 32. All we have to do is five or six times of that a day on yeah. Sunday, and, and we're, we're done. Yeah. And so I always looked at it as no matter how deep in the weeds you got, no matter how in the shits you were, no matter how many hollandaises broke on you, no matter what, no matter if you were running out of pancake batter, you only had to cook for those 32 people, and then you had like a 15 to 20-minute breather. Everyone got a cup of coffee, a bottle of water, whatever, and got themselves going again. And Except now we do it like seven or eight now times. Now we do it ten, five ten, times. Oh, ten times. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. That, that is but it's like nutty. automatic now. Yeah. It's like automatic. Now, Dee Dee, do you cook? Yeah, I'm an amateur cook, and I had a paid, <laughs> I had a paid cooking job, which I love to brag about, and Neil loves to laugh about. Yeah. Um, I don't make so fun of that anymore, two years. Michael. Whereabouts? At Integral Yoga Institute, where I was a uh, also a yoga instructor yeah. certified. Yeah. Yeah. I taught, I mean, I taught, well, I taught I taught yoga there, but first I... I um, Got my cooking start volunteering in the kitchen. It's called Sangha. It's your volunteering. Yeah. Part of the community. I assisted this Iranian cook, Amir, who's amazing. He's a dancer in the city and an actor. Um, and then he cooks on the side. And he taught me how to do everything, pretty much. And then I would work in the kitchen with, like, these Indian people, like this lady, Andalama, who's this amazing Indian mama cook, you know, like... Andalama and, sounds like Indian mama. Yeah, she so. was great. And, like, I learned all these um, amazing cultural... Um, uh, spice influences and um, you know how to prep properly and how to cook vegetables and you know how to use ghee. I'd never even heard of ghee. Yeah. You know, I came from a Jewish middle class uh, Connecticut. Yeah. But yeah. wait, I want to interrupt. Well, Didi's best cooking is not from the ashram and not from yoga yeah. and stuff. Her best cooking of the things that she likes to make or likes to eat, like at the house, she makes this amazing lemon pasta, which is uh, just simple and totally delicious with anchovy and garlic and lemon zest yeah. and lemon juice, just tossed and coated with the, with spaghetti. It's really delicious. She's made that really well. Thanks. I make but, great uh, great eggs and stuff. I great, do. great eggs <laughs> no, for Jane in the morning and the great omelet no, 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 and great I'll, scramble. The best thing I got out of that out of that experience it was the two years of cooking every Wednesday for sixty people. Yeah. Was that they would give me? I know sixty is the the number, but they would give me sixty dollars in the morning. I'd go to the to the yoga teacher slash monk uh, slash uh, treasurer and get sixty bucks from her. Go downstairs to the natural food store, and then I could I could shop only with those sixty dollars for the sixty people who were coming. I'm sorry, for thirty people who were coming. Yeah, I think it was thirty people. And then um, I I would shop for twenty minutes. I'd go up go upstairs, and I had three hours to prepare everything. You know, I'd have those big hotel hotel pans, and I still have the burn marks and everything. You know, because I was like such a novice. Yeah. Because I eventually took over the cooking from prepping and assisting, and I became the cook. And I earned like $44 and some change, <laughs> yeah. you know, every Wednesday. And the greatest thing about it is that I had such a built-in sense of how much things cost. So I could go in with the 60 bucks and walk away with like $59.99, you know, or $59.29 or whatever. And yeah. it was like a, a goal for me. And to this day when I shop, it's just like this weird innate thing. I can go anywhere and I'll have, I don't even know how much I have, 16 bucks in my pocket. And I'll walk away. It'll be fifteen forty-nine. Yeah. I just have a really good sense of that. Michael, if that were me, I would have put $50 <laughs> worth of food and $10 I would have a dime bag yeah. <laughs> smoked it up and then gone in the kitchen yeah. and made like brown that's, rice that's, that's why she that. runs the business that's right yeah. that's, why that's, she's, that's why we're successful because yeah. I can't do that shit so now all this cooking yeah. you know uh, why did you guys go out to eat that one fateful night at Assault and Battery yeah well I was looking I was like super premenstrual and yeah. it was just opening I think it was that the opening night Neil it was like the opening week. It was one of the first yeah. few One of the days first the nights, maybe the third night. And it's across the street from me. And, you know, I studied in London and lived in London. And I always was, you know, nostalgic for my London life. And uh, I, I, like, basically put on, like, 
semi-pajama sweat kind of outfit, which I was wearing, put a coat over it, like hardly brushed my hair, went out for like this PMS food, fried food <laughs> fiesta, which I would only do like once a year. Yeah. And um, I walked in and there was the owner. I knew him, you know, from the tea and city next door. And we started talking and there was Neil well, sitting wait, there. Wait, one second. It's really funny. Like, Dee Dee lived on Jane Street and Greenwich on the corner. And I worked on Greenwich Avenue, like between Charles and Perry or whatever. And it was almost like I was walking down Greenwich and I had in my mind I was going to stop at Salt and Battery, buy a fish and chips order, and then take it home on the subway to go to Washington Heights where I lived. Yeah. Wait, and, and watch. She, wait, and you were going to watch something really bad, like. Like 60 minutes or something. That's no, what I was you were going to do. I was going to watch some show, and I had it all in my mind. It was like a Feb- uh, yeah. it was like a December night. Yeah, it was cold. And I was just wanted fish and chips. I wanted to cuddle up and whatever. And here I'm walking down, and Didi and I are like going to the same place. And at that moment, With we the converged. same motivation. We're both basically looking for comfort out of food, yeah. which tells you a lot about <laughs> yeah. us, right? And nostalgia and whatever. And we struck up this conversation And maybe about, love. We were looking yeah, for love. Yeah, well, I always was. Looking for love in all the wrong yeah. places. Well, Guitars back here. You, too. you guys want to jam out? Yeah. Oh yeah, baby. It's cool. I wish um, I knew how to play. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was definitely fortuitous, but I guess it was all we were all waiting for that moment. I mean, we were both waiting for that moment. We must have passed each other a thousand times on the street. And I've, you know, I used to go to the Tea and Sympathy and Assault and Battery a lot. I mean, not Assault and Battery a lot because it was really fatty. All you needed was that one. Yeah. One time. Yeah, that exactly. one time. Yeah. And I don't think I've that. been back since. Yeah, no, nor have I. Maybe once. Not even for like anniversary, Valentine's no, Day? No, I, no. We're not like that. Yeah. Plus, yeah. when I left that Jane Street apartment, which I had for 13 years, that was like my life, my work, my writing. You know, I wrote, I freelanced for a long time. I assisted um, this famous author. I did a lot of stuff from that apartment. Then I started a business with my yoga clothing and manufacturing in Hong Kong. And like the 9,000 boxes were all out of my <laughs> studio. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. So when I left that studio behind, I was happy to just like kiss away that life. That was my entire 20s was spent in that apartment on those streets. It's pretty great. Well, we're actually going to take a quick break right now and come back and talk about your new life. Yeah, baby. Wow. Okay. Sounds good. Excellent. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. We'll be right back. to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Didi and Neil of Clinton Street Baking Company. Um, and Community Food and Juice. And Community Food. I had that in my notes. Sorry. I was going to plug it. <laughs> um, who I was honored to work with on their Clinton Street Baking Company cookbook. Now. Oh, Michael, it did just go into a second printing. I forgot to tell you. Do you know that? No. Yes. Well, congrats to Thanks. all of us. Yeah, yeah, all of us. Yeah. Uh-oh. Wait, is this the one? Yeah. 
I was supposed to try to put Megan in there. Oh. Uh oh. In my shout-outs, I thanked my cat and not my girlfriend. Oh, but yeah. that was my fault because I didn't really let you um, edit it. I just I gave it to them, and then they just took it away. Yeah, but now now Mason's strutting around the house like a diva. Yeah. So thinking Who, he's the cat? Yeah. Oh. Thinking he's the shit. He well, is. He'll do it for the next yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> we were just priorly talking about assault and battery, and if you didn't understand, uh, that was the night that Dee Dee and Neil met um, and had great fish and chips. Yeah. Yeah, baby. But we're talking about the new life that was created out of that, thusly, Clinton Street Baking Company. After that first date, um, how did your relationship progress? Well, we just, um, well, that was um, a, a, a chance meeting. And then I actually thought he was gay, just because <laughs> it was the West Village, and he was so nice, and he was funny. And of course, if he's nice and funny in the West Village, yeah. and he's single, no wedding band, <laughs> he must be gay, right? I mean, I'd met countless gay men in the village. and um, I was undercover in the West Village <laughs> as a straight man portraying a gay guy so I can get a lot of women. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I was really into him. I remembered him, and, I, and it was only like a two-minute conversation. So I, when I left, I said, um, well, if I see him again. You know, I'd been, like, disappointed a thousand times. You know, I was hitting almost 30, and I was like, it's been, you know, 10 years here. Let's see what happens. So if I see him again, then it's meant to be. And I did see him again about a week and a half later at World of Video down on Greenwich Ave, which was, like, my second home. Um, and apparently it was his second home. We were both, like, single losers renting a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, I rented a lot of porn in that <laughs> place, man. I rented a lot. Well, I had, like, my own. My would pick out the best, the hottest <laughs> stuff for me. That's I, for another show. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was like having like my own Paul Mazursky film festivals by myself, yeah. you know, seriously. So these guys knew me really well. And I was in World of Video. And long story short, I saw Neil come in. I was like, holy shit, there he is. The assault and battery guy. And uh, that's not a good thing to call somebody, though. I know. I know. So um, now the role is reversed. Yeah. So I pretended to the guys who all were worked at World of Video, whom I knew very well, you know, through all these years, or they at least knew my movie taste. I was like, who's that guy? Um, he reminded me of my cousin. <laughs> and um, one of the guys that works there, Michael Knack, was like, oh, that's Neil Kleinberg. Oh, you'll love him. He's Jewish. He's funny. Uh, he's got kids. Do you mind? I think he's divorced. Um, uh, you know, and he told me all this stuff. So anyway, I, I went home and I, I thought about him so much that I called Michael Knack at World of Video, also, which I'd never done. Yeah. And said, all right, set us up. And he called me back like 20 minutes later and said, you won't believe this, but World of Video and Neil's restaurant are having a joint Christmas party in two weeks. <laughs> and I was like shocked because I couldn't believe he was a chef. I yeah. had just dated a chef and I had never had an ambition to date two chefs, not even one. So it was kind of shocking. So um, we, I waited for two weeks. I went and stalked his place a few times. I checked on him to see what he was like. Where were you cooking at that point? I was at Ezekiel's. I was um, cooking and uh, teaching like at risk youth yeah. for Covenant House. It was like my my five year hiatus of cooking off the line and getting out of the restaurant business so I can enjoy my kids on the weekends yeah. and have like a Monday through Friday nine to five gig. It was a good gig. Yeah. I ran this cafe. I trained a few kids. A few, um, you trained a lot of kids. No, I trained a lot, but I'm saying over five years, you know, it was like so easy for me and so <laughs> chill. Yeah, um, and rewarding. Yeah, and rewarding at the same time, yeah. but it was a very also, it was kind of painstaking because of the, you know, the uh, structure of a nonprofit organization yeah. running a cafe. And if one side of it, they wanted to be profitable. The other side of it, they couldn't care um, because they had so much money and it was just to help the kids and blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of there for five years looking and thinking around and thinking, what am I going to do next? Or how am I going to you know, have my own restaurant one day? Or how am I going to get another chef job if I've been kind of 
hiding in this place for five years. But he did put out really great food. He put out he put out a buffet, basically, kind of eighty style, but it was a lot of vegetables. Yeah, vegetables, <laughs> and uh, everyone in the neighborhood loved it. And he got in very close with all the ladies at James Beard House because they all loved his food so much. Yeah. It was like great to have this delicious chef cooked food. You know, right around and the it corner. Was, it was, was Megan stuff. there it then? Was, yeah. Um, she well, no, we, we she met would... through Beard House, and I oh. actually met you guys through Beard House. Yeah, right. Um, the first time too. So yeah. thank you up there, James Beard. Yeah, uh, you've done yeah. good things. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, so the story is is that um, back to the story, I think that we. Um, so I waited for the night of the party, which was at Fiddlesticks, which was next door. It's a bar. So that was really our first so date. Yeah. Irish bar. A place yeah. I had never entered into ever in all yeah. the 10 years I'd lived in the neighborhood. And um, and whatever. We had our first night there with the party. And then we literally were together every night since. And then we got married 10 months later. Yeah. Literally, it a happened that way. A month after 9-11, we got married. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Um, in, in, a, in a little Ithaca, um, Ithaca Greek Taverna. restaurant on Barrow Street in the West Village. It burnt down like two weeks after yeah. we got That was married. my favorite Greek restaurant. I took all my dates there. Yeah. She took me there. <laughs> I took great. him there. And, and then and after then, you knew he was the one, you burned it down. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jewish, <laughs> Jewish lightning. Yeah. yeah. No, right after we got married. And it was great food, and it was delish. Yeah. We had an Israeli-Greek... Um, Band. Klezmer band. Yeah, but I mean, the place <sighs> was tidy. I mean, it's like basically looked like this yeah. in the backyard. A small. So then after, you know, married, when does Clinton Street happen? So. Well, all along, I mean, while I was doing the Covenant House Ezekiel's thing, um, I had this friend partner who said, why don't we do a place? He had a place up in Lincoln Center that, uh, you know, it was like a sandwich muffin coffee shop. He said, why don't we do a business um, downtown? where you bake and supply me for this place uptown and then open it and see how it goes. And I got this call by, for this guy um, who I worked with at the Plaza years ago and said, do you want to buy my restaurant? And I was like, no. And he's <laughs> like, you have to. And it was like... No, the, no. He said, Neil, you take this restaurant for me. I give it to you practically nothing. Yeah. And he basically <laughs> sold it to us for practically nothing. Yeah. And, it and was the rent was practically no, nothing. It was a nine-year lease for $2,200 a month on Clinton or off Houston. <laughs> yeah. But, Michael, 11 years ago, that was nothing there. Yeah. It was horrible. I mean, it was still dangerous. What else was there? Like, when you guys opened it up, 71, where would you go for coffee? Where would you? Well, we didn't. We no. just went. There was our, no place. Yeah. yeah. It was 71 Clinton, which was basically Wiley's place as the chef. Yeah. Um, and he was making a name for himself at dinner. Yeah. The place wasn't open for lunch. It was nothing going on during the day um and there were like all the dominican places but neil had previously been married to a dominican woman so he was not at all you know he was into it he he'd spent a lot of time in the dr his kids are dominican half dominican i mean this was like a second home for him he lived yeah. in washington heights so whereas other people might have been put off he felt at home so it was great so in the daytime i had this job at ezekiel's and at night i would go and bake at clinton street and Didi and i weren't married yet but she was always coaching me from the sidelines. You should do this. We, she did the logo and she did the design and brought the people in to paint the signs yeah, on it. They were just air quotes, if you want to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, For design. And, and so, you know, it just like developed into this coffee shop and we baked the muffins and the biscuits and the scones and all of that kind of stuff and cookies and brownies and stuff. And it just evolved and developed into this place where we just uh, opened for breakfast next and well, then lunch. But before and then, what, but really, before then before go ahead. what really happened is that Neil's partner, who ha it, it was a good business model because you should open, 
we opened a place or they opened a place to supply another place that was already doing high volume. I mean, how many pieces of baked goods were they doing a day? You know, we do like, like 2,000 pieces a day. Okay, so yeah. that's a great business model to have a built-in account. And that's your number one account. But he was slowly diminishing in, in personality and spirit. And 9-11 happened and he lived in Battery Park. And he had just like a front row seat to everything. And that kind of pushed him over the edge. Yeah. And so that was about, um, by the time that happened, that was two, three months into our marriage and owning the restaurant, I think at the same time. And so we decided it was time to part ways with this guy. So that's when I started to get more serious and I bought him out. Yeah. And that's when we became partners. So we leave that out of the book because that's not really the it point. Was the but the first two years of the place evolving and yeah. turning into whatever. But, you know, it's. So that's, that was really the beginning of Clinton Street. So there was, it was Neil and someone else, and then it became Neil and, and myself. Yeah. And, and soon it's just going to be Dee Because <laughs> Neil's going to kill himself. After yeah. she kills me. Yeah. Or I kill myself. You gotta better get a better insurance policy <clears throat> first. I'm working on it. Yeah. Better get a couple more of these books out first, too. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Clinton Street, that that turning point was two thousand and one. Yep. And how many years later yeah, is it now? Now it's yeah, twenty ten. Yeah. And uh we've been twenty eleven. Oh Jesus. Yeah. It's really wild. So we've been we've been together ten, married nine, business partners eight. Yeah, eight, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how many covers do you do at brunch? Three hundred and forty to three hundred and eighty. Jeez. Yeah. Those are a lot yeah. of numbers. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of numbers. Yeah. And during the week too, we do some you know, we do like two eighty to 300 and Mondays and Fridays are really busy because we get a lot of overflow from the weekend mm-hmm. and anytime there's a holiday weekend or a snow day or anything we're packed. Yeah. But up at community we can do any we can do up to 6 700 and we've done 800 covers a day. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But that thing has twice the amount of seats. Three, times. Three, Three times. times. Three times. Three yeah. times. Yeah. So I mean the charm of Clinton Street sometimes and the frustration is not being able to get a seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we feel bad for, I feel bad for the regulars in the neighborhood. I really do. What can I do? You know? Yeah. I mean, you just have to know the times to come and it's a bad, it's a happy problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. Dinner. Blessing and a curse. Yeah. Dinner is the way to go, I think. Or just like weekday breakfast yeah. or coming in an odd hour. I mean, we, we wait at one place only and we just buck the system. We go to Pearl, Pearl, Pearl Oyster Bar is our favorite restaurant yeah, for yeah. cash. And we'll go at 6 o'clock or we go and wait online at 5.30 like everybody else. And we get in the first seating. I love the early bird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. our favorite. What about Barney Greengrass? I've always heard this as a yeah, reason yeah. why you live where you live. Um, we, yeah, not we, as much anymore. Yeah. No, I'm trying to you know, cut down on the bagels <laughs> and the bialis. Yeah. But it is... When Jade, our daughter, who's four now, when she was like two and a half and just able to sit in a restaurant and whatever, have breakfast, Saturday mornings was a tradition that we would walk from 81st Street to 86th and go to Barney Greengrass and she would sit on the Mm. counter or next to me and we'd order like a proper Sunday Jewish brunch. Yeah. Dee Dee would be off doing yoga or her exercise or whatever she wanted to do and it was like our time. And 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 people were always amazed by Jade because she would order... A Nova appetizer. <laughs> it came with a toasted bagel. Yeah. It's Nova, just sliced beautiful, silky Nova with a couple of olives and some capers, capers and a slice of tomato and onion. She loved the olives and the capers. She ate the whole entire order of smoked salmon and would say, Dad, I think I want a side of scrambled eggs now. <laughs> and then I'd be sitting eating my, you know, yeah. my favorite brunch, like smoked sturgeon and eggs with vegetable cream cheese on a toasted bialy. Sounds good, and, right? Um, 
And so I may be going for that right re- after this. Yeah. What's really funny, Michael, is one of the waiters there, and the, the waiters at Barney Greengrass are very brusque and very impossible. They they throw things at you, and they're not nice. One of the waiters there, David, he's like a regular customer at Clinton Street, and I constantly <laughs> see him at the baker, and he yeah. says, "Hey, I didn't see you last week." Or I say, "Hey, where have you been?" But Neil um, and I had one of our we had our first morning date at Barney Greengrass. Yes, we yeah. did, and we sat in that tiny little cramped counter Sunday with the New York Times and us and. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of our favorite haunts. Yeah, it was great. It's amazing that we've barely spoken about your food and we've talked about <laughs> every place else that you love. And maybe we'll leave them hanging with that. Our <laughs> listeners can check out the cookbook, um, which, you know, isn't just pancakes, which Dee yeah. and Neil are lauded for. They're blueberry pancakes just with Neil. maple butter and um, fried chicken, which I think is astounding. Everything. The crab cakes, I can't get them out of my mind. Well, and I can keep yeah, on going. Yeah, love those. Yeah. Well, uh, yours good that you, you did at home, right? Did I you make I them? Oh, you haven't made them yet. I haven't. We've been contemplating. Uh, actually, I bet you if I open <laughs> up my book that I have right now, which I have uh, for you guys to sign. Yes. It's the crab cake yeah, see, page. So I have it marked it. off. <laughs> it just hasn't gotten to it yet. Yep. So it was hard to photograph all this food. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean because it wasn't beautiful. Because it was. It was so easy. And the flow of just doing this cookbook may have come from one that I've been a customer and always been enamored with your food but then also the exuding jewish grandmother that <laughs> neil is and that i miss <laughs> just good. made the relationship to make this imagery that much easier so uh nice. thank yeah, you that's really sweet thank you fantastic book yeah. um so happy that we had you yeah I'm, I'm so glad that you know i kept your card for like eight years <laughs> i bet you have one of those old school vista print cards I that do. says like Print a uh, hundred business cards for free on the back. With no, my... I have your postcard. I saved. Oh, geez, that's Black even older. That's two thousand four. Yeah, I, I was like, this guy's gonna go somewhere. I saved Didi, it. Didi always knew, and she always told me when we do our cookbook, I have the photographer, and that's Michael Harlan Durko from you. the Beard House. Thank you. She yeah. always knew. She has a vision, and she sticks with yeah. it, and that's what makes her so good. Well, again, uh, she stuck with me for ten years. <laughs> praise and props to James Fantastic. Beard too. Yeah. But yeah. Check out this cookbook if you haven't done it already. Stop by Clinton Street weekdays, weeknights. Uh, Didi and Neil, thank you again. Thank you so much. much. Thanks for listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Chris Ranch for sponsoring, Jack Inslee for producing. And uh, we'll have you back here Tuesday, 3 p.m. Cheers. Cheers.